Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 listeners, this is a dual episode. Y'all have been through these many, many times before, but you know what? When I find a guest that I think is absolutely going to have huge impact for both of my audiences, the Life Uncloseted audience and the 40 plus gay men, gay talk audience, I figure why not let's spread the love to both of my podcasts because this is an important little conversation and it's actually not really little. It's actually a pretty big conversation because in our queer communities, and most of you listening know this, we kind of get kind of put together as, well, you know, you're just the like sexual deviants, you know, and you don't have any faith in God and all this stuff, which is so not true. Hate to, you know, hate to tell all you weirdos that believe that, uh, that it's very much not true. But what happens when you're truly a queer Christian and you really really love being in your own sexual being as well. I know for some that's like you can't do both. Well, again, you're wrong. You can be sex and you can be a queer Christian. Only if you believe it. And my guest today, his name is John Carl Lewis, and he is like really putting his heart and soul into helping people understand the intersectionality of being sex and the queer Christian. And I can't wait to have this amazing conversation with a very sex positive guy. So John Carl, welcome to, to both podcasts. <laughs> glad to have you here, man. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Rick. <clears throat> so why is this a burning desire for you to really talk about and bring into the world in your own way through books and podcasts and everything else? Why do you feel like you've been called to do this? Well, I've been... I feel called to do this because I have been waiting for someone to write this book so that I could read it since I was about age 14, which was several decades ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kept thinking, you know, for the queer Christian, and I identify as a queer Christian, I'm gay. Um, and uh, I, actually happened to be married to a Buddhist, so we have an interfaith household. Mm. Um, we um, There isn't clear guidance for progressive Christians who want to um, have some, not rules, but just some sort of uh, guidelines for how to think about how to have sex in an ethical way. Uh, mm-hmm. in a way that honors their true nature, their individuality, their personality, their desires, their situation. Um, and and also honors their values as a follower of Christ, whatever those values are, because they're different for every Christian. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring up the intersectionality of, you know, the sex in an ethical way. Um, 
one of my favorite books is The Ethical Slut. And I'm like, it's, it's such a good book. It's a great book. But it is this interesting space that through the years of, you know, faith and Christian, and it's not just, you know, modern day. I mean, we've seen this play out over many, 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 many thousands of years of faith and religion and sex and all this stuff throughout history, that this is still like this. It's just this trigger thing. Like, you know, sex isn't supposed to be part of your world if you're a Christian. And I'm like, I don't agree. I believe that God created us, us to be sexual beings. That's part of who we are as a human. Just like we're, you know, people who like to, you know, some of us like to be athletic and others of us like to like be readers and all these things. It's just a piece of our dynamic. But I think we get slammed into believing that you can't be this. You can't have these sexual desires and things and have a relationship with God. And it, it gets very frustrating. And I think this is part of the reason that you're you're doing what you're doing. It's like there is a beautiful intersectionality in this world. There is. If and if you're interested in sexuality, not everybody is, but right. I would say most people are. Uh and we we fall prey to this very old heresy, which doesn't come from the Jewish tradition, which is very sex positive. Um, it comes from old Greek philosophy that, uh, quite frankly, hasn't served us very well to split the mind away from the body and the heart away from the soul. We're all, God created us, I believe, as integrated beings. Uh, we're to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that means our sex is in there somewhere too. Well, I think it's a beautiful... Okay, so some people listening to this go, oh my gosh, you really are stretching here, Rick. But if you truly think about this, the act of sex and all the things that happen when you're in that state of being, it's just another beautiful creation of what God made us to be as humans. I mean, the fact that euphoria and the stimulation and the, the, all the feelings that you get to experience. And then even just the, even just the state of, you know, sensuality and orgasm. It's such a beautiful creation because what if that was what we felt all the time? it would be kind of like, ooh, weird. It's kind of like eating something really delicious, like a beautiful, you know, if you're if you're a carnivore, a beautiful steak, or if you're a sweet person and that just delicious chocolate. But if you were always doing that, it would be kind of a drag. But to have this piece of ourselves that I believe God put into us to activate to make us feel alive and whole and to be able to connect. I feel like sex is a beautiful connection piece. And again, I'm not, I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying anybody who doesn't feel this is wrong. I think there's beautiful, I think there's beautiful pieces of those who are asexual and for those who are just not super sexual being. In fact, I have a, a very good friend who sex isn't like a big thing for them. But they love the sensuality of being in connection with someone. And they always tell me, you know, I would much rather be intimate and hugging and cuddling and just having that versus wham, bam. Thank you, sir. Right. I totally get that. Right. 
Yeah. So, so when you are talking about this with people, what's kind of, I mean, okay. So I'm going to take you out of your own sex positive Christian space, but when you talk to somebody who's not within that circle and you start to talk about this, what is some of the pushback that you get? Oh, uh, evidently I'm, uh, working on the destruction of the church um i am working on the destruction of the traditional family mm. these are the comments i tend to get it's and just so interesting and it's it's really interesting because what i'm talking about is the freedom to be who god made us to be mm. and people who are living in a mindset where uh, I've got to follow the rules are threatened by that freedom because if they see me being free, then they think, well, maybe I could be free too, but that freedom is scary for them because they've been taught that freedom is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it extends past religion in a way and it extends yep. more to how open are you to embracing the gray in life, mm -hmm. embracing change, embracing the fuzzy areas yeah. uh, outside of your rigid black and white thought system? Well, I think for all of us as humans, anytime we step into the gray, it's scary. But yes. those of us who love to embrace the gray, we realize once we learned the first few times to embrace that gray and i think the lgbtq community is very good at this like we 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 play in the fringes right we're excellent at that uh, and that gives us that energy to go it's not just in our sexuality it's in everything i i enjoy literally playing in the fringes in many areas of my life because that's where the mat in my mind that's where the magic happens this is where i uncover and discover myself this is where i feel like i align with my soul when I, if I'm black and white, I don't do well. I'm serious. I just, it, uh, yes, I will play. I play black and white where it makes most sense, <clears throat> but I cannot, I cannot thrive if I had to be play by the book, play by the book, play by the book. I, I feel <laughs> very just, you know, almost constrained to the point of angry. Right. Which, there's a side of that that I need to work on too. But right. one of the things that's interesting is, and he was on the podcast not long ago. Um, there's a pastor by the name of Colby Martin who wrote a book called Unclobbered. I love Colby. And he's just amazing. And I remember in the yes. podcast, and I've shared this a couple of times in different ways, but it's worth repeating since we're having this conversation. He and his church uh, that they had in San Diego, they decided to march in the San Diego Pride Parade because they're very inclusive. Yes. And the, it was the first time they were doing it. And he said, it was kind of scary, but it was very exciting. But he goes, as soon as we were queued up to line up, he goes, I was just standing there looking around at all of these amazing, beautiful people. Some of them were, you know, just dressed normal. Others were dressed in these lavish outfits. Some were hardly dressed. He goes, I just marveled at this beauty of what freedom truly looks like. And yeah. that just, you know, even as I said that, I mean, I'm feeling the chills again, because that, that is what I believe this is all about. I don't believe that being free is a slap in the face to God. I think God wants us to understand what freedom is. 
And he wants us to be free to be this beautiful being that we are. Yes. Uh, and as, as you were talking about that, it, it occurred to me that um, we need that we don't need the church as much as the church needs queer people. Right. Because the church can get stuck uh, in a lot of different ways. But queer people are here to say, well, let's look at different ways of doing things. We're in a different culture now. Mm -hmm. uh, we, do, we don't have a situation where everybody goes to church because that's what you're supposed to do. People are free to do whatever they want with their Sundays. And if we don't bring a little bit of life and color and depth and sensuality into people's lives as a church, then why are we meeting on Sunday? That doesn't mm -hmm. make God happy to see us all sitting there unhappy. Right. And I believe that queer people are really loosening things up for, mm -hmm. for the church. Well, I know as you're working on this book, you know, Sex and the Queer Christian, a guide to sexual peace of mind for faithful queer followers. One of the things that hit me when I was reading the title, I'm like, it's actually not just a guide to sexual peace of mind. It's a guide to peace of mind. When we just allow these intersectionalities to show up and I have this argument. Well, no, okay. I have these lovely conversations, not arguments. <laughs> um, sometimes I do end up in arguments about why do you, why do you believe you have to be in church to be a, you know, a follower of God? Mm -hmm. That one's always a biggie. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to serve someone that says this is the only way you can be in relationship with me. I'm right. much more at peace with my relationship with God that I can have it any time of day I want it. And I don't have to literally park my butt in a seat in a church to go make it happen. Now, some of that comes from, I, I know I've just been very burned by that practice of you have to show up and you have to do this. Yes. And it has to be this and da, 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 da. Right. I've loosened my thoughts on that, but there's nothing more beautiful for me. And this is where, again, this is where your freedom and your way you be in, in, you know, relation with God. To me, there's nothing more beautiful than like having my quiet moment on whatever day, but Sunday with him or them. <laughs> like, yes, it's just, it's one of my ways I do my Sunday mornings, which is interesting because I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, so it used to be Saturday mornings. Now I don't even put a morning, I don't even really put a day of the week on it. Sometimes it's a Saturday morning, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do my spiritual practice, I'm going to do my yoga practice, and it's just going to be, here's, mm -hmm. here, I'm tuning in. Yes. Yes. But yet and that's so very many... threatening to a lot of people. It is, uh, because, because, well... Here is where I get a little bit cynical. If we all knew that we could tune into God outside of the church, mm -hmm. then there are people who are afraid that the church would fall apart and we'd stop coming and we'd stop paying their salaries uh, and we'd stop paying for all these buildings. Yeah. Um, and that's, a very real threat. Mm -hmm. uh, sex is a very real threat even to 
uh, capitalist culture, because if we realize that sex is something that is available to everybody that we don't have to buy. Uh, and if we can get over the idea that we need to look a certain way or, you know, dress a certain way, then we can have pleasure for free. Mm -hmm. And that's real scary. It is real scary. Um, one of my other friends that I met through my speaking career, um, wrote a book called church refugees. And he talks about this exact thing. Like what happens when people say, I don't feel like I have to be in the presence of a church to have this relationship. And what you just described is exactly why they're so afraid of it. What happens to that? You know, mm -hmm. I remember growing up as a seventh day Adventist. I mean, when you went to church, it was, you had a suit on, you had a tie on yes, uh, all that sort of stuff. And as a young man in, I, I went to Seventh-day Adventist private school all the way up through my second year of college. And I remember in high school, one of the very first, quote, week of prayers that we held, we had just moved to Arkansas. And I, you know, I came from California. I was a Colorado hippie kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> all that good stuff, you know, between California and Colorado, we were just like, we were like the outcasts, right? Yeah. And we walk into the church for that first week of prayer evening. And the principal of the school comes up to my parents and said, we're glad you're here, but you know, you're going to need to do something about your boys' haircuts because Christian boys don't wear their hair below their collar. Oh. And that was the very first time I'm like, Oh, I don't get this. I do not get this. <clears throat> and that was the beginning of me starting to really question a whole lot of things. But when those things are the only way that you can be in relationship with a, a, a being greater than yourself, in this case, God in my world, I don't know that I want to be part of that. Because no, again, I feel like God gives you the freedom to like, you know, hey, be this. Right. I mean, because when God created humanity, God put us in a garden with fruits and trees and animals and rivers flowing and 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 then you look at a church <laughs> right yeah now on the other hand i do have to say that without churches we wouldn't have some of the world's great music exactly i agree um and we wouldn't have the thrill of, I don't know if Adventists like to sing as much as African Methodists do, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Choir. You get to raise your voices big. together. And, mm -hmm. and for, you know, Black Americans like me, the church played a really significant role in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Um. Yep. But then again, everybody had to wear suits and have the right haircuts. And, right. and that's so unnecessary. Well, it's almost like it adds another. It's almost like it adds a barrier. It creates somewhat yes. of an elitist way. You can't be this unless you do this. Right. Right. And I mean, and so here's where I'm going to kind of tell a tell on myself. As I grew out of this, I mean, I, I, by the time I was like second year of college, I'm like, I can't do this. And I actually said, I'm done. 
I'm going to go to school where I want to go to school. And it was a big hubbub in, in my family. Like, uh-uh. I'm mm. going to a secular school. I'm going to mm. state college to finish everything up. And then I, by then I'd already started exploring like other religions and stuff. Uh-huh. And that was like, oh, what do you mean? And and to this day, if I mention going to some other church, there's the raised eyebrow from my family. And I'm like, I'm 59 years old. I think I can figure that I've well more figured this out than you do. So, but what was interesting is then I grow into my adult world. And this mm. was still why I was married to my ex-wife and we lived in Orange County, California. And we were, you know, the kids were young. I'm like, well, you know, I kind of like to put something into their world, but I didn't want to yes. force them into this. Right. Right. So we explored a couple of what I thought was progressive churches. And now I know Rick Warren is not a progressive church. That's a whole different ballgame in and of itself. <laughs> and yeah. I remember walking into his church the first time. I'm like, oh, the music and everything. And then I'm like, wait, there, wait, there's people here in shorts. And there's uh-huh. people here in T-shirts. And I felt myself like suddenly all that old programming started like, Ugh. Right. 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 And um, it's really interesting to see yourself do this, even though I'm like, I'm very progressive. I totally get this. You know, it's all of this sort of stuff. And um, it's been a journey. You know, I know we're talking about sex in the gay Christian, but um, I think that's only one facet of where you start to open your mind and accept stuff. So where yes. do you find people get really hung up? Like when you're having these conversations about you know, sex positivity and Christianity, where do they get hung up in that whole? I mean, I can, I can only imagine, but I'd love to know, like, are they like, we just don't want to talk about sex. It's just a piece of like, it's here for this one purpose, or I'm sure it goes all over the gamut. Well, it's mostly, it's here for one purpose. There is a um, large Christian uh i don't even know if they use the word queer organization that um has been very vocal about the fact that sex needs to occur within marriage for queer people mm. or marriage-like relationships uh and on that front i find myself trying to communicate how beautiful and rich the lives of people are who don't fall into those categories. There are beautiful and rich lives of people living in monogamous relationships, but we have so much to learn from people who are uh, polyamorous or in open relationships. Um, They have ways of communicating with, with each other and um, negotiating sexuality in ways that are pleasurable for all parties involved that I feel like I've learned from as a happily married man. Well, it's definitely a hot button issue, even in our own community. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is going to be the issue and it's going to um, hit the straight church. Mm-hmm uh sooner than they think yep Um, well the thing is is it's already hit the straight church they just don't want to talk about it 
they don't they want don't, to talk about it. No, yeah, they don't want to recognize that there's a lot. So there's a whole lot more. There's a lot more open relationships in heterosexual world than people want to admit to. That's, right. And that's the thing. They're not talking about that. And then within our own community, this is always one of those things that on some of the, you know, Facebook groups and stuff that I belong to. Anytime somebody brings up polyamory or an open relationship, oh, you thought Armageddon, you've just started Armageddon. He's my man and da da da, you know. And I'm like, but in defense of that, this is where the kernels of past hang into us, even in our own queer community. Here's the construct this is what you're supposed to be, you know. And then suddenly we as a community have embraced quote unquote, embraced a construct of heterosexuality by gay marriage and all these sort of things. Cool. Well, if you're going to do that, then you need to be monogamous. Well, right. guess where, folks, there is no rule book about this. You may think there is, but we're, we're still playing in. Here's what society has said a marriage is supposed to be. And right. I find it so interesting that certain faiths, Mormonism and such, you know, with polygamy and everything, that's okay. But no, no, gay's not okay. You can't do that. And oh, a gay marriage that had something open or polygamous, you know, polyamorous. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So it's so interesting to watch all of this interact and go, here's the hypocrisy, folks. Here's the hypocrisy, right. you know. So I'm curious, in your own mind, do you think that God is a sexual being? Uh, yes, yes, um, and I believe that we have the model of the Trinity in some Christian traditions, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. all being in this beautiful communion, this beautiful intimate communion, so close that it's three aspects of one being in a way that we can't really understand or explain. Well, and that's and I what I think is such a beautiful piece of, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. We can't explain it, but because we're humans, we feel like we have to have this explained. Well, what if right. we can't, why can't we just be comfortable with, we don't really know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the afterlife. We right. don't know. We have no idea. We have. So no let's just idea. be good with that. You know? Yeah. No, I think it's interesting here. to think about if God, and I propose this a couple of times to other people who talk in this realm too, and I, I always get hate mail afterwards. <laughs> Why are you talking about that? I'm like, well, so let, let me get this straight. This, this being that created us and enabled us to have this sexuality, sexual urges, all of this stuff, you actually don't think that that person has that... If it's a person, this being doesn't have it within them. I don't I don't see how you could not go. Hey, and I want. Oh, let's make sure <laughs> on the assembly line as we're putting these together. Let's make sure this is here. If they didn't know and haven't experienced the beauty of that in and of itself. I just I find it so fascinating when people get. And of course, I bring it up to just push buttons. But <laughs> well, that's always fun, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got the you've got the intimacy, you've got the interpenetration, mm -hmm. you've got the love. Uh, and, you know, and then Jesus says, I'm going to come down and 
figure out what it is to be in a body Mm -hmm. and chose a male body to the best of our knowledge. Right. uh, And experienced puberty and wet dreams and uh, all the stuff that a male body experiences. God chose to do that. (laughs) So, Far from it being dirty, it's 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 just another extension of the divine. That's the way I like to look at it, is it's an extension of the divine. And the divine said, this is going to be part of who you are as a human. You know, whether it's a, a spiritual being having a human experience, however you want to say it, it's just, this is part of what I want you to experience. Mm-hmm. I personally, and I think this is where this is such, a, it's such, it's because it's such a trigger to talk about sex and God. It's because... Many people who are really, quote, stuck in that haven't been given, quote, the healthy opportunity to explore or don't have the desire to see it, but any other way. To me, when I started really exploring, okay, you know, I was, I came out at 19, was told, nope, you're going back in the closet, you know, go visit the pastor. Mm -hmm. I didn't do conversion therapy, but I had enough conversations and wet dreams about the pastor uh he was really good looking um and then went back in and then came out later but throughout that whole thing i kept thinking this can't just be the purgatory i'm supposed to be sitting in even though i believe you you know we're given what we can handle I, i mean i do operate by some of that i also i've so you had indicated you know um you know, you have a Buddhist husband. I practiced in that, some of that Buddhist practice myself. I don't think that if we weren't supposed to explore all of this and what it looks like for each of us as an individual, I don't think God would be happy. No, I think he's given us this like, here, go do this. And that's why I also come back to what you and I've already talked about, John. People who get really weirded out by people who are like asexual or sex isn't really a driver for them. Or, you know, I've had some interesting conversations with gay men. Like I could never be with a guy who's not sexual. Could just, nope, mm. wouldn't. I'm like, well, then don't. It's kind of like, yeah, if you don't right. want a gay marriage, then don't. You don't get married, right? Right. But I think that's a beautiful piece of that person to say, this is who I am. This is how I right. show up. Doesn't right doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with them. So what have you learned? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. It's a beautiful piece of who they are. So what's something you've learned about yourself as you you continue to open up to this and you take these stands? What's some things you've seen in yourself that you're like, huh, this is interesting? Wow. Uh, Need to think about that one a little bit. what so I, 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 one of the things I found as I did this, John, and this will give you a little time to think on it, was I ha- I helped myself get rid of the dirty, sex, gross, shameful gay. Because the more mm-hmm. I realized I'm just a sexual being, mm-hmm. it got rid. Every once in a while, it still crops up. You know, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, you know, where did this come from? But I'm so glad that again, that I have been created in, in with the power of choosing and exploration. Yes. So that I could rid myself of things that don't serve me. And uh-huh. that shame and guilt and feeling dirty does not serve me. It literally 
doesn't serve me in any way, shape or form. And I don't know in the traditionalist way of looking at sex and Christianity, if something limits you, how well is that serving you? How well is that serving you? I, mm-hmm. I, I think one of the ways that I've grown is in realizing that um, cultivating joy and pleasure for the reason of cultivating joy and pleasure is a good in and of itself. I come out of the Protestant work ethic tradition where everything has to have a utilitarian purpose. Yep. And that is for me a narrow way to live. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be able to have sex and have it not be so that my husband won't want to have sex with somebody else. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I can I can actually be present and just enjoy the sensations of sexuality mm-hmm. without Ooh, making it into something useful. Mm-hmm. It's play. I'm I'm rediscovering play. I think that's so powerful. And, you know, as we change, and this is really targeted for anybody who's you know in the over forty range. I see a lot of okay, so I'm gonna go to the gay men's crowd <laughs> who really struggle with. I've enjoyed being sexual. Mm-hmm. Now I want to continue to be sexual, but I want to do it with a guy. Yes, but then. There's always the conflict of, but if he doesn't seem to fit all my needs, so I, I might want to still be doing this with multiple partners. Mm-hmm. And they can't seem to resolve both of those things. Yeah, that's a tough spot. But it's always interesting when the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, and that really makes me feel like I'm sinning in a whole new way. <laughs> I'm like, right. oh, that's interesting, you know, because... I get it. I totally get it because that's part of what we've been conditioned as gay men, especially. And I'm not going to say lesbians. I know I'm not a lesbian, so I can't really comment to that. But I know as gay men, we've been conditioned like you do this, you're just sinning and all this sort of stuff, blah, 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 blah. I know lesbians get that too. But there is something interesting about that juxtaposition of stepping into your big man gay pants. (laughs) Versus yes. being the young gay guy, right? Yeah. And realizing, well, I kind of want I want the monogamy or I want my guy, which is always an interesting conversation. Because so many yes. guys say, I want monogamy. I'm like, mm, do you? Is that what you're really saying? Or do you want a solid, consistent relationship that makes you feel right. grounded, makes you feel right. connected? But you still have this exploratory side of yourself that says, but I'm not done exploring sex in all its beautiful different facets. Absolutely. Uh, and and what's, what's interesting is it's a paradox. Um, mm-hmm. I have found that the times I have tried to fit myself into a, a monogamous mold, mm-hmm. My eyes are all over the place and mm-hmm. just overcome with longing 
for mm -hmm. other people and variety. What I find in open relationships is my eyes are still all over the place, but the the longing isn't the fruit isn't as forbidden. Mm -hmm. Well, but uh, that takes work, though, right, John? It's like you you have to do the work on yourself first. In that, you really have to do a lot of work, <laughs> and then you have to do a lot of work with your partner too. Like, right. you know, there's nothing that isn't a a interesting turn on for me or my husband then like ooh, look at that right we have those conversations and then yes. what's even funner is like ooh, look at that i'm like no <laughs> and it's a, so it's this interesting dynamic where you go oh i didn't know that's what he might be interested in versus oh we're interested in this together cool that's always fun like hey we actually yeah that could be interesting but then the flip side of that uh oh Okay, well, good on you. Go if that's what you want. Go, go have some fun, I guess. And um, but yeah. be open to those conversations too. And I know as soon as I just said all this, you know, here comes the hate mail. But you know, I don't, oh. I don't really care because I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm mm -hmm. comfortable enough to talk about this. Now, here's what I've noticed too: when we get into this depth of sex and sexuality, there's going to be some in the world who, you know, in our own community, like. Mm, Rick, you talk about being in relationship with God and everything, but you still want to be a big old slut. I did not say I want to be a big old slut. I said I don't see anything wrong with exploring, continuing to understand my sexuality and sex and, and the dimensions of it for me. The interesting twist is, back to what you kind of said, the looking at the, quote, forbidden fruit is no longer looking at the forbidden fruit. It's, right. hey, I can look at this, the frequency... I act on it, not near what it would have been many years ago. Absolutely not. No, because I mean <laughs> there's a solid connection to a right. man I'm very much in love with, number one, mm -hmm. and a very beautiful space that we have come into that even the frequency that we go do this is not as much, but we have the open possibility of, well, I'm just going to say, <laughs> we're not dead yet. You know, we're not <laughs> dead yet. No. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and again, so this feels very threatening to others, right? This is one of those spaces where it feels very threatening to, because we who, who choose to be in the world in this way are expressing our freedom. Yes. Yes. And now that makes other people very uncomfortable when we do this. Yeah. And, and now I'm going to like talk out of the other side of my mouth, um, not only are we expressing our freedom, we're expressing our purpose. I, I believe that God has implanted our desires to lead us into what we are to do in the world. Mm -hmm. We're drawn by desire to write books or make music uh, as much as we are to make love and and we are creating in those situations. So there is a there is a good for the world. Yep. Not to get hung up on it, but you know, how nice is it to uh hang out with someone who has just been sexually satisfied? <laughs> exactly. As opposed to someone who is sexually repressed or well. And even what even what you just said can push buttons too. Sexually satisfied. Well, I've never been satisfied. It's like, 
And I'm not saying I'm hundred percent sexually mm. satisfied every time, but I've learned through my sexual exploration to, un and it changes. I mean, I'm a 59 year old change. guy, you know, my 59 year old gay guy, sexual satisfy little, you know, stuff is completely different than it was when I was 40, 45, 50. Mm -hmm. But I, that's why I've come to really embrace it. Like, yes. oh, isn't this interesting? You know, wow, I didn't see that going to be something that really, that I really, truly enjoy, you know? Right. And I think this is where bringing it back to kind of like the whole being a, you know, someone who is very sex positive and Christian, it's a spiritual experience. It is just such a beautiful spiritual experience when you continue to align your faith and belief system with the sexuality and sex piece. Right. Because they're they're they go hand in hand. Anybody who want, wants to argue that, I'm not going to argue about that with you. I just that's my that's the way I see it. It's a well, spiritual experience. It, it it is and it can be. Mm -hmm. Uh I follow a a young teacher. Mm-hmm um who talks about how his appetite for sex with other people who are not on a spiritual path has fallen off mm. he only wants to have sex with people where it's consciously a spiritual experience mm. and i think that's a beautiful choice um, I, I, I find myself heading in that direction. Now, on the other hand, I think you can have a spiritual experience with someone who isn't thinking that way. Well, you can I think have it's all, it all comes down to being open to it. Yeah, it all comes down to being open and what, what makes you as an individual more fulfilled. Um, gone are the days where you know, I want to go troll in the sex for bushes with for a quickie with some guy with a house and family. Right. Uh, a, it's not part of my ethics anymore. Right. Uh, if if he isn't supposed to be there, then I should. I don't think I should be there with him. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm I'm being called myself to increasing levels of honesty around sexuality. But uh, I think that's the thing. You just I'm so glad you said that as we're getting ready to wind up here momentarily. Honesty in sex and sexuality. If we would just be more honest, it's kind of like, you know, when I'm working with a guy who's like, I just, I don't feel satisfied, you know, in my sexual, you know, whether it's with a partner or a husband or even in his hookups, I just don't feel satisfied. So, okay, well, what would that look like? Da, da, da. Okay. Well, why don't you be honest with your partners about that? Well, mm. it's just, it's so hard. It's uncomfortable. Yes, it is, it is uncomfortable. I get it. But isn't it yes. hard and uncomfortable to not feel satisfied too? Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing with the same energy. And I think this is the thing that if we could be really honest and being sex positive and being sex positive as 
Christians or someone who believes in something greater than yourself, that honesty, again, we're, we kind of keep all the way back to this again, John, is going to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and you need help. Um, mm -hmm. And here's where I need to make a professional plug. Um, I am not a relationship counselor, but one of the things I wish I had done in our pre-marriage counseling was set up a yearly check-in mm. with a therapist, with a counselor, with a, some somebody outside of the relationship mm -hmm. who could help us talk through all the things that are hard to talk about, you know, you know, you're sitting at dinner and enjoying your husband and your relationship is going well. And do you really feel like saying, hey, you know, I want to go out and find a boy right now. Mm -hmm. One yeah. over 18. Right. <laughs> well, in my case, one over 35. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but you um, it's it's difficult to have those conversations without help right. and there are helpers available I, i've i've met wonderful sex therapists mm -hmm. uh who i've interviewed and spiritual directors who can help talk through you know how how this is affecting you on a spiritual level there's help available we don't have to do it alone right and so many people believe they do just like just back to the core of the subject matter that you speak on just how do you have conversations about being a sex positive person and a christian you don't yes. have to do this alone no there's so many different avenues to get support and that's part of the reason that i feel like what we did here today is part of the equation did we solve everybody's problems no but we're having a healthy conversation of how this intersectionality of so many things helps people see you're not the only one having these thoughts. Right. You're not the only one that feels like, I really want to just say I'm a very sexual being, but I also have a very, you know, solid faith practice and a relationship with God. Okay, cool. Guess what? You're not alone. Here's two other people out in the world that feel the same way. Yeah. And sometimes, at least. oh, at least, but sometimes in our LGBTQ community, because of the way we've been pushed down and pushed down, it's not a it's not surprising to feel like nobody else gets it. Nobody else gets it. Because that's been how we've been conditioned into our community. So um so real quickly, what's a good place for people to find you and connect with you and and also the book that you're working on? Shout out that name, John. I'd love to have them hear that in your own words. Well, I'm working on a book called Sex in the Queer Christian. Um an agent is looking at the proposal right now. Awesome. Uh, and what I'm doing over the next six months is trying to connect with as many people as I can to dialogue with these ideas about, uh, serve as a reality check for me. And so I have a website, sexqueerchristian.com, that will go live in about a week or so. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel at Sex Queer Christian where I'll be uploading content. Uh, if you go to the website, uh, there'll probably be contact information 
yep. uh, in the podcast notes. But if you go to the website or if you email me, uh, I can get you on a list and let you know when everything is rolling. Excellent. Out. That's excellent. Well, I'm so excited for everything to be rolling out. And um, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. And keep doing what you're doing out there in the world because there's nothing, nothing more beautiful first than being positive, but being yes. sex positive and faith positive and combining those two things together, just in my, from my perspective, makes the world such a more positive place to be in. So um, well, thanks thank again, you man. so much. Yeah. I really enjoyed the conversation and everyone, this is a dual, I'm going to say it again. It's a dual episode. So if you catch it on life uncloseted, well, a couple of days later, you can catch it again on 40 plus gay men, gay talk. And we <laughs> so appreciate you being listeners and doing what you're doing in the world and never stop just dumping those excuses, facing your fears and going out and being your unapologetic self. We'll catch you in just another week, everybody. Take care and have a great Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.